Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or to I'm going to write this to you guys on tech. I am Eagle Falcon. That might be the slowest I have said that in years. But after having a take or two being completely botched because I said it so fast, I went. I felt like I had to. But it is what it is. The funny thing is chat right now is saying I need to cut and go and go and do do another take. Nah, screw that. We're, we're rolling with it. We're kind of rolling with it. Kind of like how Intel and Microsoft are just kind of rolling with the thought process of uh, let's just uh, let's go ahead and just have Windows 12. Why not? You know, not the adoption of Windows 11 is not that great. People are finally being being willing to accept it as uh, the stability starts to show and you know all that jazz. But you know what? Let's let's plan Windows 12 now. That way, Windows 11 looks like an absolute nothing in all of this. Now look. The story comes from a logical place, and it doesn't mean that Windows 12 is imminent, and why even bother upgrading to Windows 11 when you have to upgrade to Windows 12 in a few years? No, 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 this isn't like that. This all came through the details that was published about Intel's Meteor Lake desktop platform. Yes, Intel is still calling their CPU platforms after lakes. When will it stop? I don't know. It shows no signs of stopping. I don't know why, but that is just pretty much where we're at right now. But it's saying that it will support Windows 12, which does seem to imply that there is work being done for Windows 12 and that it could be that we'll start hearing more about it in two, three, four years leaning more towards the three or four years in my personal opinion. So where do we go from here? I mean, we could just ignore it. Kind of just file away that this happened back in the back of our brains because in the end, the tweet showing all of this is now gone. Someone said something they were not supposed to say. Whoops. Now keep in mind, it's very early in Windows 12's development cycle. Maybe Windows 11 will be the last one. Hey, remember when Windows 10 was going to be the last uh, Windows version? And they're just going to keep updating Windows 10 forever? Remember that? I remember. What a great lie we were fed, huh? That lasted not long at all. But while they all 
contemplate Windows 12. Windows 11 is still trying to be pushed out. Personally, every single one of my computers is still on Windows 10. So trying to get people like me to upgrade to Windows 11 is um, a struggle. Because I'm not very enthusiastic about upgrading my laptop to Windows 11. My desktop, oddly enough, the one I just bought is incompatible with Windows 11. Its hardware is technically too old, but its hardware is also stupid high-end for its age. Which makes it all the funnier that Microsoft tried to push out Windows 11 updates to unsupported devices like my 2016 24 core Xeon workstation. Good job. A plus number one. Uh, are you really surprised? I'm not. Someone in chat says, of course they're, of course they couldn't go ahead and stick with the Windows 10 model they originally had. They couldn't make money off that because they can't sell a new version to you. I don't know how they're making a, a profit off Windows 11 and 12. Because it's free to freaking every single person who has the previous version anyway. The only cost there is to upgrade from Windows 10 to Windows 11 is having to suffer with Windows 11. That's the only price. There's no actual, like, monetary cost to it at all other than your sanity, which is priceless. Or in my case, worthless. In the end, their money is only made on new PC sales. The ones they had to sell the the certificate of authenticity to anyway. Which is where Windows 10 would have made most of its money. It still makes most of its money. Yeah. Of course, as I say, the point chat also says it. So, we... Uh, but that is something to always constantly contemplate. For anyone that tries to say that they have to make a new version of Windows, because otherwise, how would they make their money? They're not making money on, on you and your old system anyway. They want you to give up on your PC and buy a new one and make and make their money on the new OS that way. Microsoft hates me with this one easy trick by buying used workstations and refurbishing them in a working order. And then find out they still have a COA in them for Windows 10. But yeah, Microsoft pushed out inaccurate Windows 11 upgrades and that has ended.
Chat says business license though, it covers multiple PCs. Fun fact, actually. That kind of like bulk business licensing actually has stopped. Pretty much that's all. So the way the license is done now, it's not the old way where there's just like a ton of stickers and activated COAs. It's all now stored in the UEFI. So before the business even goes ahead and gets their like enterprise grade 2000 version COA or whatever, the PC itself already has a COA on the motherboard, basically built into it. Those business licenses nowadays? You know what they're actually used for? They're used for virtualization. They've actually been used for virtualization kind of for a while. I've been kind of leaning more and more towards that direction. The current model that Windows 10 uses and Windows 11 by default, because they're using the same model, is that Microsoft's just getting their cut because the COA is just built in from Dell or HP or Lenovo or the incorrect choice, depending on where the heck they bought all their PCs from. And then if they just go ahead and virtualize the desktop environment on that business PC anyway, Microsoft now double dips because they have the business, they have the Windows Professional license that's in the tower plus the Windows 10 Professional VM license from the enterprise market that the enterprise already bought the throw into VMware. It's double dipping. Some businesses with new, new, P, new PCs with old ones can still get these codes. Yes and no. So for the most part, there's no reason to. Because if you've installed when, so the only time that you actually need to worry about purchasing the code is if you are building a PC from scratch. If you are buying from any PC manufacturer, they already have the code on their system from the get-go. And because the license doesn't expire, there's never any reason to go ahead and buy a new code unless you're doing something really wonky and need to upgrade a Windows Home version to a Windows Pro version because of like one of the very few features you absolutely have to have. But that is... That almost never happens nowadays. There probably is a use case out there, but I can't remember the last time I heard of anyone needing to upgrade from home to pro. I mean, let's be honest, the most sought after feature of Windows 10 Pro is the ability to delay updates indefinitely. How well did that work? I'm 
I'm sorry, if you heard a weird sound, that was all of my frustrations of every single time Windows forced update without my consent on Windows Pro, despite the fact that I said, you will only install updates when I say so. <clears throat> but yeah, on earlier versions of Windows, someone mentioned in the chat that um, the maximum amount of RAM that was recognized was the difference between Home and Pro editions. Yes, earlier versions of Windows Home and Pro did have that. In fact, home versions could only recognize one CPU. Professional versions were needed in order to recognize two to four CPUs. Nowadays, both home and pro editions will recognize two CPUs. And everyone just assumes you're not running a workstation with four CPUs. What are you doing? W why? Why would you do this? Why would you want to run four Epic processors? Why would you need frickin'... Ugh. But yeah, it was something like... Windows 7 Home was like locked at like 64 gigs of RAM. And um, the Pro version was capped out at like, I want to say a terabyte of RAM. Just something like that. As well as like a CPU lock. Someone in chat says, I need four Threadrippers. You can't run four Threadrippers. Anyway, we're getting hilariously off, top, off topic. Only update to Windows 7 if you feel you can handle it. All right, let's talk about this weird law from the UK, also known as the UK. Did I say don't upgrade to Windows 7? Don't upgrade to Windows 11. Don't upgrade to Windows 7 11. <laughs> Where's Windows 9 anymore? Man, chat is just catching, catching me in all sorts of weird spots. Anyway, a new UK law is going forward. And of course, it is called the Online Safety Bill, which aims to weaken end-to-end -end encryption so that, of course, the average citizen's privacy comes at the cost of safety so that the government can spy on you. Are you really surprised that such a law is trying to be passed? I'm not. Whether it passes or fails, that's going to be a big question. Now, Signal warns that it will pull its app out of the UK if this law passes. Now, I don't know the exact details of the law. Someone in chat asked, wait, is this an anti-VPN legislation? Possibly. I don't know the details. But the fact that an app like Signal is just saying, peace, 
if this sort of thing passes. That's saying a lot. As an oddball note, I'm reading this article from The Guardian, and like on the side is like a headline involving the Russian-Ukraine war. And it's talking about the fight for, for Bakhmut. And I thought it said Bahamut. And I think I need more sleep. Or to play less Final Fantasy, one of the two. But in any case, we'll have to wait and see how this UK law ends up being treated. At this time, I believe it hasn't been voted by anybody that is just being proposed. So the possibility for amendments is still very, very high. Meanwhile, in the world of communication apps, Blue Sky is now available on the App Store. What is Blue Sky? Blue Sky is a Twitter clone created by the original creator of Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Who, not gonna lie, is a little bit of a loon. But at the same time, I mean, um, have you seen the guy currently in charge of Twitter? Quite frankly, he makes Jack Dorsey look sane. Now, the only problem is the fact that uh, Blue Sky is only available via invite. Cool. Thanks. I hate it. So this thing that's supposed to try and compete with Twitter, and Lord knows that Twitter could use some competition right now, You most likely can't join at all. Nope. Not for you. Not for you either. No blue sky for you unless you're invited. Now, here's what I want to know. Did you know that Sky News tried to sue the video game No Man's Sky for infringing on its trademark? And in fact, Sky News succeeded against Microsoft because originally OneDrive was going to be named SkyDrive and got sued by Sky News. How long until Blue Sky gets sued by Sky News? Because man, Sky News has nothing better to do than to sue and sue a lot. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Meanwhile, Google Workspace is adding client-side encryption to Gmail and Calendar. We're just gonna file this under features. I can't believe we're not there in the first place. Are you serious, Mr. 
cloud-based business application, you didn't have client-side encryption? <laughs> Why? Why? Oh. I just... Incredible. Simply incredible. Someone in chat says the EQ, the, the, the EU, the UK law will not like that. UK already doesn't like Google. They look for every single opportunity to go ahead and, uh, try to sue Google and make a buck off them at any moment they could. Every moment. If there's a moment they can go ahead and try to make a buck off them, they do it. So of course, why not? Let's make an end to end encryption law. Google finally rolls out a thing they should have in the first place and just like, oh, you need to comply with that or face fines and pay our paychecks. Yeah. Super. It makes you just want to go ahead and just set up your own cloud and your own file system with anything you want, blackjack and such. Except for the part where uh, Plex, a site where you do just that, went down after the streaming platform warned of hacks and strongly urges changing your password. Of course. Of course there's another hack. Of course Plex gets hacked again. And of course you need to go and change your password again. Because why wouldn't you? And it is such a shame that um, Plex kind of stands alone in this sort of thing. This holding your own media storage server. It's one of the only ones out there. And it's really does make you wish there's more competition. And before anyone says, uh, what about Jellyfin? What about this, that, or the other thing? Yeah, it's good for those who are like super tech savvy. You try to sh set up a Jellyfin server for like your mother. Good luck. It ain't happening. No way, no how. So, you have a Plex account, change your password. Now with that, let's actually get to some interesting news. The International Olympic Committee has announced that, that there will be an Olympic eSports series in 2023 where competitors from across the globe can compete in video games and it'll be done live in Singapore from the 22nd to the 25th of June. However, there is some funny business going on because here's the thing, right? The number of uh, games being mentioned 
you know, it's, it's kind of expected, all right? For baseball, we have the World Baseball Conf Con Confederation, the WBSC eBaseball game. Chess.com will be powering the chess portion. Cycling is powered by, by Zwift. Dance is powered by just dance. Motorsports by Gran Turismo. Sailing done by Virtual Regatta. Taekwondo is done by Virtual Taekwondo. Tennis is done by Tennis Clash. But here's the weird one. The archery competition is being done by Tic Tac Bow. Some of these games you never heard of, but Tic Tac Bow you especially never heard of. Because the game itself is, um, it only has 5,000 downloads and is a mobile game. And uh, by the way, is developed by a team called Project 99, which is located in... I'm trying to do a drum roll and the noise gate's blocking it out. It is located in Singapore. Where the Olympics are, where these eSport Olympics are being held. You think that's a coincidence at all? You think there might be a little bit of uh, bribey bribes going on? A little bit of corrupty corruptions? A little bit of sleazy briberies, a little bribies, just a little, just, just a wee little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. There's some super sketchy things going on there. There's no other words as of yet for any other games. But for now, this is just one big old batch of, excuse me, what do you think you're doing? And nobody knows. Darndest thing, huh? Uh, but in the gaming world, there is a little bit of good news. In fact, actually, I'm going to save this good news. For after the break, we're going to take our break here. When we come back, I have big news involving Microsoft and involving Square Enix. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We got about six weeks and people are gonna re-remember where this track is from. Those who know, know. And I, for one, am excited. All right, Activision Blizzard news. There actually is some big pieces, cause man, it didn't look good for Activision Blizzard for a while. And the odds of this deal 
actually going through. All right. But as the EU appeared to be threatening to just block the whole thing, well, guess what? It looks like the whole deal is going to be approved by the EU. Chat is now upset because I did not fulfill my promise of Microsoft Square News. Little did you know, I forgot to say the word and, implying they are separate. No, Microsoft's not trying to, not trying to buy Square. No, 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 no. I do have good Square, Square News though. Now, for those who actually want to want to see Blizzard like, try to regain some of its reputation, this is going to be the best move. It really is. I do not know how Blizzard survives without this merger. Because the way it's being managed right now by Activision, its reputation is going to be dead. Just straight up dead. This needs to happen. But the great mystery is, of course, how? How on earth did this deal seem to go through? Well, Microsoft managed to convince Europe that Microsoft only has a 20% market share in the video gaming world, while PlayStation's is 80%. And somehow Europe believed this. Do you see what the problem here is? Let's pretend for a minute that you believe that PlayStations are four times more uh, popular than Xboxes. All right, let's, let's believe that for a minute. Are we forgetting someone? <laughs> Isn't there some other player in the video gaming industry? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I heard it starts with an N. Rhymes with Nintendo. <laughs> and also, here's the other big question. Which market share? gaming in general because then mobile gaming takes up a part of that are we just talking console gaming because nintendo definitely takes a part of that and based on whose metric is it about number of games sold because i guarantee you that there's plenty of studios outside of microsoft and sony that make plenty of games and sell them at a large volume The fact that this worked is in and of itself 
amazing. Simply, simply amazing. Zona chat says Nintendo has been intentionally has intentionally left its systems running a gen or two behind avoiding the, this headbutting. At least that's their take on it. I mean, it is, but the thing is that if you're going to go ahead and go up to the European Union and try to make your case about how you're not trying to monopolize a market share, um, it doesn't change the fact that Nintendo exists and actually does control a very large chunk of the market, despite the fact that they don't pride themselves on the latest bleeding edge cutting technology or anything like that they instead focus their stuff on things like pokemon which had their pokemon presents because pokemon day was recently of which they announced a number of things that i slept through but one thing they announced is very real and very coming to the market is pokemon sleep a game that progresses based on how you sleep. I have had... I have had a week to sit on this, all right? I've had a week to, in fact, sleep on this. The longer I think on this, the weirder it feels to me. Someone in chat says Nintendo's just another chunk of the market, especially at, at, at most cons considering how mobile heavy it has been for the last two years. But that's the point. Sony and Microsoft both are not big in the gaming market compared to Unfortunately, the titan that is mobile gaming. So the 80-20 split just still makes no sense. And anyone who knows how, who actually knows and should be looking into this sort of thing because they're, you know, on the committee for it, should know. And that's no excuse. I mean, that's like saying that NFTs from Square Enix is okay because Japan is more okay with NFTs than the rest of the world. No, that doesn't make it okay. That makes you ignorant to the rest of the world. The EU is trying to make a decision that affects the globe. And for them to go ahead and be this stupid as to completely ignore the third biggest player in this is just a show of just how completely incompetent they are. Like it still doesn't change the fact that they're just, they can't, they, they can't get away with it. I just still can't believe it. But in the end, we're all on the same page. They're idiots. And thus, We should still point and laugh at them and call them as we see it. But yeah, I back to Pokemon Sleep though. I am very curious what 
all of your opinions are. Granted, I feel like you would need to actually get your hands on the game to properly test it and see what it's about. But like the whole thing is that it's an app on your phone that tracks your sleep and then has Pokemon visit you based on how well you sleep. And that does something. I'm not going to, I don't fully understand this one. And I'm sure there's big, bigger Poke nerds out there than me that are super excited for this and can't wait to try it out and actually have a reason for, other than the fact that the word Pokemon is the first name in the title. Chat is trying to explain the whole, the, the app to me by saying, place the smartphone by your pillow when you go to bed. First off, A, I hope that phone enjoys rolling off the bed and, fi and find its way on the floor. That is exactly what's going to happen. The longer you sleep, the higher your score in the morning. The more Pokemon you will see appear around the Storlax, your, your nights of sleep will be classified as w one of three sleep styles. Do dozing, snoo snoozing, or slumbering. And in the morning, Pokemon that's, that sleep in familiar ways will gather around the Snorlax. I get that. That's kind of what I said. But what's the end game? <laughs> okay, you know what? Person in chat, I think, has nailed it. This is the actual end game. Is that this is going to encourage... Not touching your phone when you wake up. That, I think, might be the goal. Or, you know, oversleeping. How many times have I done that? Wake up, look at ceiling, look at clock. Roll over, it's like five more minutes. Possibly not even roll over. I don't know. For, this is one that's just kind of bizarre to me. But other things that... Uh, there are a couple of other announcements at, at the Pokemon Presents. New updates to uh, Scarlet and Violet. There's a there's a big, big pat, bug fits fixing patch that was pushed out to Scarlet and Violet a few days ago. So make sure you get that because it is addressing a lot of issues. And quite frankly, that is one of the biggest problems that Scarlet and Violet has. It's the bugs. And once you get past the bugs. Man, you have a great game. And I really can't wait to see what else this game has in store for us. And I'd love to see the second generation of this sucker, man.
actually legitimately excited for, for a Pokemon again if they stick down this path. Big if. They go back to a giant globe-sized hallway. I'm going to be a little annoyed. But that's it for Pokemon. Now, I promised Microsoft Square News. We covered Microsoft. Let's get to Square. Square had a big change. All right. For the past two years, two years ago, in fact, let's start there. The, the CEO, Yosuke Matsuda, said that he planned on taking Square Enix down the path of Web 3.0 games, AI technology, and NFTs. Everyone disliked that. And quite frankly, fanboys of Square had some very interesting takes on this. And I think they're bad, just straight up. All right, like a bunch of people were trying to say that this is okay because NFTs are more popular in Japan. Square Enix is a global company. They can't just market to Japan. Japan is just, is a very populated spec, but it is just that, a spec on the globe. The other thing is that their pushes into this extensive Web3 style monetization trying to push harder into live services for more monetization to go ahead and fund these kind of things. Going ahead and actually selling whole studios. They sold intellectual property. Tomb Raider. They sold Tomb Raider. Granted, they weren't doing much with it, but they sold all these properties. Marvel being another one of them as well. Studios in Canada solely to fund this push into NFTs. And what did they have to show for it? A digital certificate to an action figure. That's not even out yet. That's literally it. There are some talks about um, some sort of NFT collection coming out involving Parasite Eve or something about that. I can't remember the details exactly. But another thing that fell flat on its face and everyone hated it. Then, during that year after the first time you put this letter out, we had the crypto market collapse in on itself thanks to Sam Bankman-Fried and his acronym-based crypto exchange that I already forgot and I really don't care about anymore. The value of crypto has plummeted drastically. Its future, extremely uncertain because everyone's realizing, no, 
it's nowhere near as secure as everyone says. FTX, thank you, chat. It's nowhere near as secure as, as everyone says. It is ripe with fraud. And really is, for the most part, used almost exclusively as a get-rich-quick mechanism. That's it. That is its, almost its sole purpose. What does Mr. Yosuke Matsuda do after the FTX collapse? After crypto was exposed to the world, not as the future, but as one massive fraud-ridden scum of the earth? He doubles down on it, speaking as though he were in denial, saying that the FTX collapse is a setback, but believes that good things are in the future for NFTs and cryptocurrency. That's not the talk of a man in charge of a business. That is the talk of someone who is absolutely infatuated with the technology, absolutely engrossed in the concept of just everything it stands for. You are no longer a man thinking logically. And I don't know how anyone can look at this man and take him seriously. I was livid when I had to come on this mic only a few months ago and report on this idiot's letter. And I called when the first letter came out and I especially said it even louder when the second letter came out. He must be let go. Period. End of story. He is terrible for the company. He has already gone ahead and sold major assets for the sole purpose of trying to chase after crypto dreams, whatever they may be. Despite the fact that there hasn't been a proven concept of a successful crypto game or a successful Web 3.0 game or a successful anything NFT related since the Board Ape Yacht Club, which, oh, by the way, released a crypto game that um, wanted you to pay thousands of dollars to go ahead and play a sewer level. And then promise vague other nonsense. I will say it once, I will say it again, I do not care that NFTs are more popular in Japan than the rest of the world. This is a man in charge of a global company and if you expect to try and push this digital snake oil which is all crypto is which is all nfts are nowadays you better have a good plan and this guy simply for two years in his letter proved he has no idea what the heck he's talking about and only sees the dollar signs of what nfts could bring by getting more suckers like himself 
to get in on the Ponzi scheme. And I say this as someone who absolutely loves Square Games. I do. And I say what I'm saying right now with the actual legit anger that I have because I don't want to see this game, be, this entire company be thrown down the sewer by this idiot's ideas. He must go for the company to survive. That's a damn good thing that someone over there listened. Square Enix CEO steps down. Mostly because of the failed launches of several live service games and the failed launch. They're not saying this specifically, but I imagine based on the timing, the failed launch of their brand new IP for Spoken. But most of what's being pointed at is the fact that every single attempt they have had in live service monetization has failed. And right now, the most successful things they have Standard games. Good. This guy should be gone. He should have been gone long ago. And I, for one, could not be happier. Yosuke Matsuda will be replaced by Ta by Takashi uh, Kiryu, who is their currently their chief strategy officer, and this is after the company has made heavy investments in blockchain technology, which has proved not to help at all. There are some concerns that are floating around because not much is known about Takahashi Kiryu. Or I'm sorry, Takashi Kiryu. I want to make sure I get these names right. I'm going to get them wrong all the time and I apologize for that. There's some concerns that um, Kiryu here has also been involved with some of the NFT choices that Square has done. There isn't a whole lot of information about the guy. But he will have to pass a vote by the shareholders during their next shareholders meeting in order to stay as CEO. Good. That is basically what I can say about this. Good. The current management at Square has been... Awful. 
again. The constant live service games. The fact that the live service games are not even lasting a full year before being absolutely killed in that game. Now just gone. Dead. Never to be seen again. Because they go ahead and choose these models that nobody wants. The fact that people are openly saying, stop trying to push the NFTs. It is literally a technology that sucks power to produce nothing. Even my side monitor over here is sucking power to do something. It has my notes. And it's still nothing compared to the power that crypto sucks, even though the current switch that Ethereum had cut down on power drastically. But I, for one, am glad to see the change. And I hope before Yosuke Matsuda steps into a new office, whether within Square or any other company, that he does realize when you are making choices for a global co company, you need to look at your target market, which is in fact a large chunk of the globe, both Eastern and Western markets. You can't forget that. Especially since, well, you have to keep acquiring new customers. You have to keep growing. Because if you're not, you're shrinking. So there. That's my two pieces on uh, on what's going on at Square. Now for a new rant. This time, let's go ahead and look at The Verge. The Verge, who went ahead and said that uh, Final Fantasy 16 has a problem. Well, Final Fantasy 16, which is going to be, pro which at this time looks like it's going to be a massive launch for Square Enix, who absolutely needs all the help it can get. It needs a win that isn't just re-releasing older games or a new patch to an MMO. It needs it. FF16 can be that breath of fresh air. But The Verge has shown it as a problem. And the problem is... Diversity! If you ever want a moment that shows you should never, ever read an editorial column by The Verge, this is kind of the proof of it. Because their whole point here is that I can't believe there are not people of color in Final Fantasy 16. 
I can't believe in this fantasy world that is not grounded in reality where people summon giant birds of fire and life and demons of other fire and ice goddesses that we don't have more diversity in skin color. I can't believe that they went ahead and decided to have a game based in fantasy not grounded more in the diversity of reality. Do you see how stupid you sound, Verge? Here's the thing, all right? Let me tell you a, a secret. Do you know what happens when you have a stupid checklist and you want to check every single thing on the list to go ahead and keep idiots like The Verge happy? You sacrifice the quality. Look at Blizzard. Look at Overwatch. They cared so much about characters checking boxes. They spent more time on a diversity checklist and survey internally on their characters than they did on, oh, I don't know, maybe making a story mode for your story-based game. Not everything must fit a checklist because if everything fits a checklist, then guess what? Everything starts becoming homogenized. Everything starts becoming the same. You start restricting the flow of creativity. Let's be perfectly honest. As long as the game isn't sending a message about like, killing people or trying to invoke hate or anything of the sort is anyone going to care the answer of course is no in the end what matters most is that the game itself is good the same thing goes with any movie or TV show. And as long as it's not like some sort of message about insanity, like any, like I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this so that it cannot be taken out of context later. As long as it's not promoting hate towards X, Y, and Z, no one's going to care. But of course, as someone mentioned in the chat, this is what passed for journalism nowadays. This smooth brain kind of thinking that everything must fit a checkbox 
is exactly why The Verge is the joke it is. It is absolutely stupid. But the fact, and you know what's even funnier? We already had this conversation. This whole thing came out before, but lo and behold, we're back to it again, thanks to The Verge. Thanks. Thanks, Verge. Uh, what can you do? What can you do? But back to Square for a minute. While The Verge can't figure out how to contemplate its life or have an original thought for once, YouTube's new leader is, um, pushing some interesting ideas. We said we were going to keep an eye on them, see what happens. Well, we're keeping an eye on them. They're trying to tease AI-powered tools that can virtually swap the creator's outfits and locations. Okay. Um, weird. Interesting. It's neat. But, um, if, if I may ask a question, why? I mean, other than for me to go ahead and glitchily wear some, uh, designer clothes that there's no way I can afford or put put me uh outside touching grass when I can still not do that w what's the point I'm not trying to be rude here I'm just I'm confused I really am confused I don't think it's going to actually, like, help at all. But it's not promoting NFTs, which is what we assumed the guy was going to say at first. So we're going to take our last break here when we come back. We have a lot more to talk about, about um, new hardware that's come out, VR, and... Um, something interesting from Ford. You're not going to want to miss this. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Everlasting Wonders. What a great track. Brings back so many memories. Speaking of everlasting wonders, Nokia has given us an everlasting wonder. The self-serviceable phone. There's a blast from the past right there. A phone you can actually take apart at home and replace components. What a novel concept that is. Holy cow. You mean, you mean, 
I can go ahead and actually take a device that I own and if I choose and have the know-how, fix it? No, that can't be true. That's impossible. That's crazy talk. And yet, here it is. You can do just that. Now, the phone itself is not the highest end in the world. It is going to be a $180 phone, so, you know, easily replaceable if things go awry. It's going to be, you know, kind of low-tier specs, but, you know, for the right person, it is very, very serviceable. And... Do, do my eyes deceive me? Is that what I think it is? Is it? Could it be? It is. The legend spoke of this. It has a headphone jack. I thought they went extinct long ago. My God, it's, it's beautiful. Being able to hook up your headphones flawlessly, seamlessly, real-time audio, not even worry about Bluetooth, not having to worry about your headphones being dead. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> Someone in chat says in before it's not actually a headphone jack. To be fair, the teardown video we're seeing, it does not actually show the board that would be the headphone jack. Unless, like, this component right here is what it's supposed That actually could be it. That might be, actually. But in any case, it's the Nokia G22. New design from Nokia. Actually serviceable by normal people. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. One chat says you can see on the main portion too. Is this actually just supposed to be one giant piece? Oh, that's kind of gross. Is that actually supposed to be the motherboard and the, uh, the screen in one unit? So I'm not sure what this is supposed to be because that's the, that's the hole for the USB. This hole right here looks kind of headphone jacky, but it looks a little small. But if we line that up, that's going to go to this right here, this little pinhole. I think that's the microphone that we're seeing there. And that this large rectangular cutout here, that would match with the headphone slot here. Which kind of means it looks like it is part of the same daughter board as the USB-C, I think. 
I'm not actually confused because what looks like the US the headphone jack, it doesn't look like any headphone jack I've seen, but they've but it's been so long so we've seen a mobile headphone jack that maybe that just how is how they are now. That that might be like the more water resistant version of it. That's my only guess, because like this little winglet here would have to fit in over here. Because this curve has to fit in this in the curve of the body here. Yeah, looking at this isn't going to help us. We have to look at this main body portion here. Now I'm just like scouring the freaking article to see and also the teardown video they have here, if they're actually the headphone jack in it. Because it, it doesn't look like any headphone jack I've seen. But I also admit, when I take apart electronics, I'm not hunting down the headphone jack. That's usually just part of the sound card. That's usually just part of the motherboard or whatever. It's very rare I'm actually looking for the actual physical jack. Yeah, that's it. It's been trimmed down a little bit. But yeah, that definitely looks like it. I kind of, I recognize this a little bit as like the interior. It's an interesting design for the headphone jack, but there is one. There is a headphone jack. And it does look like it's a three-piece one. Anyway, now that we've been comically distracted by a headphone jack as we are simple-minded phone people who get very easily distracted by a new old feature like a headphone jack. <laughs> we spent seven minutes on a headphone jack. It's just like, oh, it's, 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 it's true? It's not just a meme we've been pushing? Let's talk about Meteor Lake. We talked about Meteor Lake briefly earlier when we were talking about the Windows 11 supporting features, but the whole point of Meteor Lake is in fact to be supporting big little architecture, more PCI Express lanes. There's actually a lot going for this thing, as well as the new Z890 chipset and it's bringing all of this to the main desktop function of it so they're going to have usb they're going to have usb4 uh pci express four lanes and pci express five lanes these can be supported from the cpu directly as is expected and they are expecting up to six performance cores and up to 16 efficiency cores in this design this is all cute and all here is my big question how well will it perform all right it's ddr5 okay it's pci express gen 5 
with 20 lanes instead of 16. Cool. It's a brand new socket. We kind of expected that. We're expecting it Q2 of 2024. Wow. A whole year from now? Dang. We're slowing a little bit over at Intel, but, you know. How big is it going to be? Right now, we don't know. In the end, though, I guess we can only say only time will tell. In the meantime, though, AMD has shown off their new Ryzen, uh, Ryzen 9 3D processors. There's actually quite a few. There's the 7950X3D, the 7900X3D, the 7800X3D. It's that entire family. And... The performance of these is better, as we expected, but some people are saying there's some wonkiness, some very odd inconsistencies, and it's hard to tell at this point whether it's just how the chip is, trying to have this newer architecture on the 3D cache, or if it's unoptimized. Right now, I'd say it's safe to say just uh, wait and see how it is. I would not get these chips as of yet. But who knows? Could be that the reviewers just had a bad batch. We'll find out more in the weeks to come. But so far, it looks promising, although a little quirky. Anyway, remember the Quest 2? The... Meta VR headset that uh, went ahead and um, had its price raised out of the blue. The price was cut back again. <laughs> it's almost like everyone is uh, trying to hold back on what they're buying. And uh, everyone thought that, oh, no, we can charge whatever we want for it. And then everyone cut back on what they're spending. Smooth. Very smooth. But here's the kicker. It's not dropping down by the same amount they increased it by for no reason. They increased the price, remember, by $100. They're decreasing it by 70 So Meta got cocky, thought they were everything. I don't know why, because their, their product is not great, in my opinion. Like, it is not a compelling buy for what it is. But I'm also one that really, really likes to control my ecosystem. And Meta does not let you do that. At all. Ever. 
So, you know, as someone who'd be more interested in, say, a legacy approach, having a high-powered gaming desktop and all that sort of jazz, the Quest 2 is never my market. But then, of course, there is a new elephant in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, Sony has a new VR headset, the PSVR 2. And right now, reviewers who aren't The Verge and actually have an opinion I respect have been saying this is the best VR headset out there, hands down, bar none. From the console? From from the console with a pop collar? That thing? How? How? How how's the console adaptation better than you know the Valve Index, the frickin' thing that they poured their heart and soul into and made the best of the best? How could it be beat out Meta, who went ahead and changed their name specifically because they had so much faith in VR? I'm sorry, I can't take Meta with a straight face. I can't take them honestly. How could the PSVR 2 be a far better setup than anything else on the market? The answer is exceedingly simple. First off, it's using OLED screens is using high dynamic range OLED screens. So the colors are very bright and vibrant. The quality is top notch. And sort of ghosting effects you get with LCDs are not present. The rest of it They just didn't botch it. That's really all Sony had to do was to go ahead, catch up to everyone else, learn from everyone else's mistakes, and then say, you know what would be great? Better screen. Someone in chat who knows way more about VR than I do, because I actually know there, um, mentioned that there's also an insane eye tracking technology in it as well. It's a good point as well. They took what everyone else is doing and just said, we're going to make it slightly better. And then bam. 
I for one say fantastic. It's great. It's about time we actually see some improvements in the VR space because as someone in the chat mentioned, the index, which was cream of the crop, top tier, it's four years old. Technology has advanced. But so far, the only advancements out there is the Quest Pro, which refuses to elaborate why it's better than you. But still demands a paycheck of 1500 for reasons that no one can explain. And that, uh... That's about it. We had a Vive Pro from HTC. That actually looked like it was going to be promising, but then no one really talked about it. It just kind of vanished. Just poof. Gone. Never be heard from again for reasons that cannot be explained. I'm sure it's still sold. I'm sure it's still out there. I'm sure you can get it, and I'm sure it's a great product. I don't know why no one's talking about it. Maybe there's some fatal flaw in it. But here's something that should be talked about for, uh, for the exact opposite reason. So how many of you know what Amazon Basics is? I'm kidding. I can't see you raise your hand. Amazon Basics, for those who somehow don't know, is a division within Amazon that makes basically that it makes basic products. There's Amazon basic cables that make you regret buying them. There's Amazon basic keyboards and mice that make you go, why? There's Amazon basic headphones that I actually bought. I have somewhere. Uh, they are my backup, backup, backups. And there's a, they were alive. Before I moved, they probably aren't alive now. Like they make things that are, I would say Walmart ready is a way to phrase it. It gets the job done, but it's just basic. It's not the kind of quality you'd want to use long-term in a setup. It is something that is replaceable. So the fact that there is now an Amazon basic CPU cooler for $27 just makes me go, why are we doing this? Why? What? What would... Who, who is this for? That's actually my first question. Who is this for? Because the thing is with CPU building, with computer building, if you're in a budget where you need a cheap CPU cooler, odds are you went with a lower end CPU that has a CPU cooler and a respectably good working one Included with the CPU. 
I don't... The more I think about this product, the more I am just flabbergasted, caught off guard, just blown away by the sheer amount of, I'm sorry, what? What is my just... I, I just... My God, it's just, no. Someone in chat says Amazon could have seen the sales number and saw an opportunity. Uh, I can try and dissect this all I want, but it's not going to make sense to me. No matter how I think about it. There is a new Steam, after you use Steam, Steam Deck update for Steam Deck OS 3.4.6 for March 2nd, so it's already out. It introduces something new. It introduces real-time ray tracing for Doom Eternal. I, for one, welcome to see uh, so many Steam Decks begin to shoot fire out of their exhaust port trying to go ahead and run real-time raid tracing in any game. I mean, I mean who's excited for this? Who, who's excited to watch these rare-to-find Steam Decks just absolutely melt trying to go ahead and do real-time ray tracing? No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You can't see me like force smiling trying to do it, but no, don't. You don't need to go ahead and see your game run at five frames a second. <sighs> TikTok is putting in a new feature. They are setting a 60-minute daily screen time limit for anyone under 18 seconds. I know that's a typo. I am keeping it in there. The BBC apparently had an AI chatbot go ahead and uh, write up their headline. No, the actual thing is that TikTok is setting a 60-minute daily screen time limit for any users that are under the age of 18. Just for whatever reason, the BBC felt to put an S ever 18. Some people in the chat are suspecting that the phrase is supposed to be under 18s as like some kind of... um, Some kind of... uh. It might be, it might be some kind of, uh, boomer talk. There we go. I'm going to go with typo. I, I want to say that, that they said under 18 seconds.
Oh, man. But that's apparently the push right now. <laughs> Someone in chat has a, you know what we call them here over the, across the pond? Miners! Unfortunately, we're recording this podcast really late, so our usual uh, e um, European uh, chatters are not around right now to go ahead and answer questions. But I'm now actually curious if that actually is like a thing that's said across the pond under 18s. Legitimate questions we'll never get the answer to. Kind of like how uh, a woman who got locked out of their Apple account got no answers from Apple. In fact, what ended up happening is that a woman's iPhone was stolen and then had $10,000 taken out of her bank account and Apple trying to go ahead at and uh, answer questions to try to go ahead and help was, quote, not helpful at all. This is a trend you kind of notice with Apple. Like on one hand, I am grateful that for all the weird behaviors that Apple has, they are very, 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 very pro privacy, except when they aren't. Like if, if you get locked out of your device and I steal and I take the device, they will never ever ever help me unlock the device. There is still, I'm not even exaggerating. Back when I, the place where I'd go ahead and get off lease computers, they have, and I'm not exaggerating, they have a pallet of 400 iPads that they want to move. They are all locked by the school that had them. When the school's lease for the iPads was up and they were to upgrade to new models, the old models go to these guys. However, the school never factory reset them. Just figured, let, 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 the, let the leasing company do it. Well, leasing company needs your password to do it. They won't give it. And Apple won't help them. There is still a pallet of 400 iPads over there that cannot move because of this stalemate between them, Apple, and the school, and the school refusing to do anything about it. Even though the school has said that we give verbal consent for Apple to do something about it. Apple won't do anything about it. 
So this kind of story doesn't surprise me at all. Like it doesn't at all, period. Now, I do say this story should give you something to be concerned with, all right? Because the only way this story could happen, that a $10,000 was taken for a bank account, was if there was no password or bio-authentication set up whatsoever. Or the security was bypassed. Folks, set up your fingerprint reader. If you have if you have an iPhone, set up your face scanner. If you have an Android, don't set up your face scanner. Your face your face scanner is garbage. Just set up your fingerprint reader. It's better on Android than it is on iPhone anyway. Set up your security. Someone in chat says, or maybe it was stolen before the phone was locked. The thing is, is that the phone automatically locks after just seconds. It'd be very difficult to go ahead and steal a phone, keep the phone awake for that long, and then go on a shopping spree. It's possible, but extremely unlikely. People in chat are saying like, oh, what about the bank? What about two-factor authentication from the bank? How did the bank allow this to happen? The article doesn't say specifically how it happened, but... I can tell you how it happened. It's a little number called Apple Pay. This one and bloop. That's it. You want to me? Bloop. Bloop. That's it. The end. But it's also why I say that uh, most likely security was not set because I know Apple Pay, if you have security set, will require to scan your face every time. So that's why I'm running under the assumption that they never set a password or face ID. Someone in chat says, wait, there's a mode that's not... If you never set up your face ID on your phone, it has no way to force a, a face scan. So that's what I'm saying. Set up your fingerprint reader. Set up your face scanner. Set up a password. Set up a password! Now that clearly didn't happen here because I know that's what it would have defaulted back to. So set up your password. Basic security stuff here. Just do the basics. 
Now, someone in chat asked, what did the bank do? I assume, because that's how these usually go. The bank then worked with authorities. She got her money back. And then somewhere between two to six weeks later, she was made whole. That's my guess. Someone else asked, what's going on with the security at the bank counter? They got out 10 grand before locking it down. That is a very good question. I have no idea. Some interesting theories going through chat right now. Could have been, some banks have very low limits on how much they'll cover on that. That's true. It's possible they could have gotten screwed in that regard. Again, I don't know because the article doesn't go into that much detail. And I got a feeling we're probably never going to find out because after you're in an article like that, um, do you want to go back to the press and give them an update? Probably not. I seriously doubt we'll get an update on that. Other people are saying that it could have been our normal spending habits. Man, that'd be crazy. Could have been multiple banks. That's also possible. We got multiple cards. 100 on this one, 100 on this one, 100 on this one, 100 on this one, 100 on this one. It's possible. But unfortunately, pretty much the only thing I'm going to answer from here on out on that is I don't know. The article doesn't say. <laughs> I can't say that on the podcast. <laughs> I can't say that. All right, let's 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 move on to our second last story. Xiaomi is showing off new wireless AR glasses just in time for VR to catch back in the swing of things. Now look, Xiaomi is a company that for the most part, it, they just always feel like they have really cool stuff. And it's a really interesting piece of tech until you get your hands on it. And then you're just like, wow. This feels like garbage. Like that's always the vibe Xiaomi has given. Like anytime I touch anything from Xiaomi. But this time around, they're showing off wireless AR glasses. And from what people are saying, they actually look really good. Like, first off, they look like normal glasses, except for, you know, the, uh, the thick lens and the kind of two shading thing. And oh yeah, the two camera lenses in the corners. Just be concerned when using 
augmented reality glasses to know the difference between reality and virtual reality because the way things are nowadays a lot more truly unbelievable things are breathing into our breaking into our reality I'm just imagining like one day you're just like going through it's like oh a Pikachu you're like chasing after a Pikachu with your AR glasses and it's like man that was a fun experience you take them off and you still see it and you're like oh no there was something funny in those brownies I just ate what should I do <laughs> but in any case they are very impressive looking and from what everyone's saying they work very very well but now every time I look at these uh, glasses anytime I look at any sunglasses now I'm going to be looking in the corners to see are there hidden camera lenses in your lens? See, another point, another big uh, uh, pro to my blue blockers. They're just amber lenses. It'd be very easy to see that, no, I'm not trying to spy on you. The mirrored ones, though. Nope. No idea. But... It is time for us to go on to the last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Now, people in chat are talking about software that could be on the Xiaomi wireless AR glasses, about them being used to spy on things and do all that sort of things. But you know what? At least they're not Ford. You see, Ford has filed a patent, all right? And this patent will allow their vehicles to have a mind of their own. In fact, have a very rude mind of their own. And they'll just assume there's nothing you can do about it. Because if you don't keep up on the payments of your vehicle, the car will repossess itself. You, I'll give you credit. This is a... Uh, it's a unique idea. It is a unique idea. Now, to keep in mind before... Uh, but before you go off and, and start telling everyone, because my dad actually called me with this on stream and tried to tell me about this exact story saying, oh my God, Ford can do this now. They have the technology. And I'm like, the, the, the car can't stay in a straight line by itself. It's not going to repossess itself. Yeah, no, the car is, it is a patent to repossess itself. So it is not a feature in Ford's yet. So if you want to go ahead and get an F-150 and not have it repossess itself, now is the time to do that. 
that is the real thing to go with. But at the same time, you know, of all the weird things that Tesla has wanted to do, I'm just surprised that Ford has managed to actually beat Tesla to something that 100% feels like a Tesla move. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. I know things have been spotty lately with uh, the early bird briefing and this podcast. I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. Life is just crazy. There's an update on my YouTube if you want to check out there. YouTube.com slash Eagle Falcon. I do still stream. Is over at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Take care. And hopefully I'll see you around. Although if you want to do me a big favor, wherever you're listening to this, go over and find this podcast on Spotify and follow me there. Because for whatever reason, I'm now being judged on my Spotify followership. I'm still annoyed by that, by the way. You remember those Xeon CPUs that had features that you had to go ahead and buy to unlock? Hear me out for a minute, all right? What if you lapse on your payment on the Intel processors? Those Intel processors control the AI that controls the the cars that drive themselves, right? So what if the Intel-powered servers repossess the repo cars from Ford until they get paid for all this. Man, you want to talk about how quickly we're heading to a, to a cyberpunk dystopian future. That's how it happens right there. <laughs> I'm going to install neon lights in my, in my coat now.